0: Well, hello again, Pastor Brown from Akron Lions Fellowship. Uh, I want to thank you for allowing me the privilege of coming into your home and just uh, sharing with you for a few minutes. Uh, we're going to be starting this new series. Um, really, it's a series of stories to end times, uh, looking at the rapture, tribulations, looking at what Scripture says, about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a lot of people who doubt if Christ is going to return or not. Even among church folks. Uh, I was uh, talking with a gentleman not too long ago, and he said, you know, I've heard that ever since my grandmother. And she's gone, and my mom is gone, and here I am. I'm up in age now, so I've been hearing that all my life we can hear it but the question is do we believe it and I want you to understand something the Old Testament Saints heard about this Messiah that was going to come there was no date or time given but finally the Messiah came in the person of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so let's pray father we thank you and praise you for your word It is your word, O God, that gives us the information that we have need to know. We need to know about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, about the rapture, and about Christ himself coming. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, open our eyes, open our ears, but mainly, Lord, open our hearts to receive from you and may we, O oh God, respond in a manner which would be to the glory and praise of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if there be someone who does not believe, may this be the day of salvation for them. And we pray, O oh God, and we agree with you, that it is your will that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ minister to us now and lord will give you praise in jesus name amen well with the rapture you won't find the word rapture nowhere in the new testament you do find caught up or as some people would like to say removed Um, and that's the, the thing that many people do not understand because Christians talk about the rapture and they go and try to find it in the Bible. You don't find the word rapture. But we're looking for that day in which we're going to be caught up with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's going to happen one day. And I know a lot of people say that's foolish. That can't happen. And uh, the way sometimes, even the way Christians paint the picture can cause confusion because if thousands and thousands, millions of people are caught up and missed all of a sudden, there would be chaoticness or mass confusion. That's hard for me to accept because my God is not a God of confusion. Um, I don't know how it will be done, but it will be done in such a way That is not going to cause a mass, mass confusion, I don't believe, because my God is not a God of confusion. And those of us who are missed, in one sense we won't be missed, because I believe the world would be so fed up with Christians and so angry with Christians and really just don't want Christians even around that that segment of our society may not be missed at all, but it may be a time of rejoicing that they are missing or that they are gone. I don't know. What I do know is that it's going to take place one day. And as I go through this, I'm not interested so much in premillennial, millennial mid-trib, post-trib, in the fullness of time, God said he would send forth his son the first time. In the fullness of time. I believe that will take place again. In the fullness of time, God's going to send forth his son Jesus to grab those individuals that he want out of the world because were not appointed to his wrath. And he's going to remove them because of that. And every person who is looking to the Lord's return and truly knows the Lord and loves him will be removed. And I know for someone who may be hearing this for the first time, uh, that's hard. But we're going to give you a scripture that you can have a clearer view of it and understanding of it. The Church, and oftentimes we talk about the church age and this, and we confuse with a lot of other things. When the rapture takes place, let me share something with you. It's going to be God doing it on his timetable when he is ready to do it. He's not going to make three trips. He's not going to make the pre-rapture trip. He's not going to make the mid rapture trip. He's not going to make the post-rapture trip just to please us because that's what we believe. In the fullness of time, when time is ripe for it, God is going to send forth his son to remove the believers that love him because we're not appointed to his wrath. And we're going to have to talk about that later on also. But I want you to take a look with me in Matthew 25 and come down to verse 13. He says, therefore, keep watch. Now, some people have uh, turned that word watch into labor or to a form of work, and they want to challenge the word watch with the word grace that uh, we are kept by God's grace, and we are removed by God's grace. But yet, the warning is there for us to do this, to watch. In other words, anticipate. When you're watching for something, you're anticipating something. Uh, You're looking forward to something. It's just like you're watching for your relatives who are coming from a different state. uh, At some point at four o'clock, they're supposed to be at your house, you're somewhat watching to see if they're pulling into the driveway, coming down your street. Uh, there's an anticipation that you want to see them. You're there waiting for them. You're not off somewhere else doing something else. You're not distracted at that moment or at that time when they said they're going to be there at 4 o'clock. You're at home waiting and watching. You're looking for them. And that should be the christian we're looking for the rapture we're looking for the return of our lord and savior jesus christ now again he says therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour we don't know the day or the hour of which this is going to take place boy if we really knew that boy Life would be different for a lot of us, but we are anticipating it, we're looking for it, and that even causes our life to be different. But if we knew the exact day and the exact hour, uh, I wouldn't leave a dime in the bank. I'd be spending it all right now. I'd be off uh, visiting this person, visiting that person. I'd be off doing some things that I would like to do, maybe, but... Because I don't know that day and that exact hour. I'm not just sitting, waiting for that. But yet, in my everyday function, I know it could take place. I'm aware of that. That I could be gone in a twinkling of an eye. I wonder how the Christian might feel, and that is... Sleeping with somebody else other than his wife, and the rapture takes place. Boy, that's some question now. I'm in some type of sin or difficulty or thing that I shouldn't be in, and the rapture take place. Boy, that's going to really be some that's a distraction, and, and I better leave that alone. But he says you keep watch because you really don't know the day or the hour. Don't allow anybody to give you the day and, and the hour or the week or the month in which the rapture is going to take place. We don't know when it will take place. And it can take place basically anytime. And that's what he's saying when he says nobody knows the day or the hour it can be sooner it could be later and some of us sometimes want it sooner and some want it later again i will say to you in god's sovereign will when the time is right i don't care what you might believe and what time you think it's going to take place that you're going to miss the tribulation. It's going to be in the middle of the tribulation. it would be at the end of the tribulation. When it happens, it's going to happen. Because God has ordained it to happen. And I believe you, like he said the first time, that's when it's really going to happen. In the fullness of time, in the ripest part of time, it's going to take place. The question would be, are we ready? Are we watching? Are we anticipating it? <clears throat> and do we believe that we should be about our father's business to share the gospel with as many people as possible because we know what's going to take place? Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to second Peter, and I want you to see because again, Peter is going to tell us there are scoffers. There are those who don't believe. And this is one of those areas that Christians are going to be laughed at, mocked, uh, made fun of, because we hold to such, as some people would say, foolish thing. To believe that millions of people are just going to be caught up, that uh, millions of people are just going to disappear, and that, boy... Jesus has been gone for so long. Why would you want to believe that he's going to come back? And we're going to look at a couple of verses about him coming back. And then we're going to settle a little bit in Matthew chapter 25 for a little bit. And it's a controversial subject there in Matthew 25. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, why don't you look at verse 8 with me. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years. One day is like a thousand years. Only thing he's trying to tell us is this. We're captured in time. God is not. God don't have to wait for tomorrow, for tomorrow is already there. God don't have to look back at yesterday. It's it's there. God sees it all. God is not caught in a 24-hour period. We are. And he tells us that, here's this thing that, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. A thousand years to God. It's like one day. We can't even begin to really understand that kind of language, but he's allowing us to know again. God isn't about this time thing. That's why there's no day or hour set. When the fullness of time come, and when God says it's enough, he'll take action. Now, <clears throat> he goes on, and he says it. He, he just continues with this. He says, when the Lord, when the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. He promised that he would return. He promised that he would come back. He's going to do that. We can count on that. We can trust in that. Why? He came the first time. When we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Christ, so we celebrate God coming into this world in a human form. He came the first time. And the Jews for hundreds of years, thousands of years, were looking for the coming of their Messiah, who was Jesus Christ. And the scripture tells us in the fullness of time, he came. Now God is saying, he's promised he's going to come back. There's the second coming, and we're going to look at the second coming and the rapture. Now the rapture will take place before the second coming. What's the main difference between those two? With the rapture, we will meet our Lord and Savior in the air. His feet will not touch the earth, but his saints will meet him in the air. With the second coming, Jesus' feet is going to touch earth again. That's the big difference between the rapture and the second coming. But he's coming. And he says, there are those who, boy, who make fun because they look at the times thing. And that's why he gives us that little illustration. That a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. In verse 9, he says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's not coming quickly or he's not coming at our time. Because there are those who are still coming to him. There are those who are still being saved. There are those that are still seeking the Lord. But God knows when that right time will come. And he's going to come. He's going to come. And he goes on, he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. You don't know when a thief is going to break in. You don't know what day a thief is going to break in. You don't know the hour. If you knew the exact day and time somebody is going to break in your house, you would be there. But it says that the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in the in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? Now, there's two things that, again, we're talking about. And this is talking about, and it's taking us somewhat in both of them. Rapture and second coming and the destruction of this world. And he says, you ought to live. And the point is now, he's pointing out how we ought to live. If these things are going to happen, you and I need to get serious about our relationship with God, and we need to live it in such a way that we are assured that we're going to be, as Paul says, absent from this body and present with the Lord, that we're going to be caught up with him. We're going to be caught up, and we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And he says, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God, and speed is coming. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So dear friends, Since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. If you're really looking forward to this, you're looking forward to the rapture, to the second coming of Christ. You're looking for the thing at that time with this earth and everything is going to end. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more trouble as we know trouble and problems. He says, so then dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. The actions that God's gonna take in the future or sometime soon He's doing it. He's holding it off for one reason. For us. For people to be saved. For us to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. He's giving us time. And time is winding up. Time is getting short. Nobody knows again, day or the hour. But we do know this. We are living in the last days. Now you may say, Well, how do I know it's the last days? Go back to Hebrews <coughs> chapter one. Listen to what he says. In the past spoke in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, what kind of days? last days from the time of christ and christ's resurrection and ascension into heaven we're in the last days we're in the last days but god's patience is being demonstrated and holding off the rapture and the second coming of our lord when he comes the second time, he's not coming, he's not coming to bring salvation, he's coming to judge, he's coming to destroy, he's coming with a total different purpose, and we need to recognize this. Now, go back over into Second Peter chapter 3, and get to verse 3 with me. He says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, what kind of days? Again, last days. What did Hebrews 1 tell He spoke to us through his son, Jesus Christ. When? In these last days. And here's Peter's using this same terminology. In the last days, scoffers will come. Who are the scoffers? They're coming after the ascension of Christ. After the resurrection of Christ. After Christ has entered into heaven. And the promise is that he's coming again. And what are they scoffing about? Him coming again. They're making fun of that. They're laughing at that. That he's coming again. What is that telling us? He's not dead. He's not dead. He's not in a tomb. He's alive. He's living. He's coming again. And they're making fun of that, that the Christian would believe such a thing. That a dead person would be raised from the grave, ascended into heaven, and now we're looking for that person to come back. Yes! Yes, we are! And we should be excited about it. That Christ is coming back. Why? And we're going to look at that in a moment. And he said, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desire. Their what? Their own evil desires. They will say, where is the coming? He promised. He promised. Now, where is this coming? And we can't show that. We can't prove it. All we can do is give you what the word says. He says he's coming. And we should be watchful. He is coming and you ought to be watchful. And if you don't know him, these are the days in which you need to fall on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Why? Because, Lord, I know you're coming one day. You came the first time. You're coming the second time. And I don't want to be left and I don't want to be in the destruction that is going to come. I don't want to be in the wrath of your father. But I know that everyone who believes in you and that is saved is not appointed unto the wrath of God. And we need to take that seriously and really understand it. Because it's going to happen. Just like he came the first time. He's coming the second time. And yes, people are going to scoff. People are going to make fun of it. They're going to laugh at us for believing such a thing or even declaring such a thing. And yes, they're going to ask us, where is his coming? What are the signs of his coming? And people, the only thing I can tell you is this, he's coming. He's coming. And he says, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? Where is this coming. He promised, ever since our fathers died, ever since when our fathers died, where well, dad may have lived to be a 100 years old, and guess what? Jesus didn't come, and you might be the child, and you're 60 or 70 years old, and Jesus hasn't come. That's 170 years maybe, and you're looking at grandparents and how long this earth has been going on and how many people have lived and how many churches have declared that Jesus is coming, and you keep looking back at the past and saying, he hasn't come. Well, you all be glad he hasn't come. Why? Christians are still here. As long as we're here declaring this gospel in the manner in which we're doing, you can be assured that he hasn't come and that you didn't miss it. And you have an opportunity to repent and prepare yourself for his coming. And he says again, Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And that's what we look at. We look at the history of man. We look at where man has come from. We've heard this, boy, from the 15th century All the way down through that Christ is coming, Christ is coming, Christ is coming. We've heard it from the early part of the early church that Christ is coming, Christ is coming. And the question is, where is this coming? He's coming. And he's not late. He's not late. In the fullness of time, he's going to come. He's going to come. The question is, are you ready for him to come? Are you watching for him do you really want to see him and it's important because see if you're watching you really want to see him you ought to live as scripture says holy and godly life you ought to be doing as scripture says in first peter 314 here uh, make every effort to be found spotless without sin blameless. Nobody can point a finger toward you about that sin and have peace with Him. With Him. With Him. That's what's important. That you have peace with Him. Now, turn over to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Why not you read verses 2 and 3 with me. Look what it says here two and three. And it's so important to catch this. Okay. Uh, Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. When he what? When he appears. Talking about his coming again. We're going to be like him. When he appears and we see him, we're going to be like him. But we know that when he appears, we should be like him. When we see him face to face, whether in heaven or we see him in the clouds, we're going to be conformed to his image just that quickly. And we're going to be like him. But it's promised on the very basis that he's coming again, that we're going to see him again. He's living. Jesus is living. Jesus is alive and he's coming and we need to understand that. Now, when we understand this truth, something else takes place. Look into that verse 3 there, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3. Everyone who has this hope in him, look what happens purifies himself just as he is pure those who have the hope in them that Jesus is alive and Jesus is coming they purify themselves and that's what we just read about over in Peter also that here's that purification that takes place why because we believe he's coming we keep ourselves spotless and blameless And we purify ourselves because we believe he's coming. It has a mighty effect upon us. Now, if you would go with me to Matthew 25. And uh, this is a very controversial chapter. Uh, Some say it has nothing to do with Christians, but I think it's written to Christians to alert them. It's the parable of ten virgins and these ten virgins, five are ready and five are not. And there's that old teaching that comes also out of this of a partial rapture that many people don't quite understand. uh, But yet the partial rapture was just based on one thing, those who are ready and those who were not ready the biggest part of it was that they believed that everybody there was a christian that the ten represents christians didn't so much represent unbelievers and, and believers but they were all christians but five of them were ready five of them were not and that was taught years ago and it's still around some of a partial rapture. Uh, I don't hold so much to a partial rapture but there are some things that we can draw out of this that is so important. Now I understand because somebody's gonna take issue with me that every parable only has one main teaching and that is true. And the whole issue about this teaching the issue is to watch and to be ready. But there's other little things we can draw out of it. But we come down to verse thirteen in Matthew twenty five. We catch the same thing again, this word watch. He says, Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Keep watch. <clears throat> and He's telling us to do that, to keep watch. And oftentimes today as Christians, I don't know we're as watchful as we should be. We stumble into a lot of things we should not be involved in. But if we were to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, I don't think we would be in in such a mess sometimes that we find ourselves in. And I'm not trying to say I don't have my problems. I do. I'm not perfect. But I'm doing all I can do to keep my eyes on Jesus and to stay focused upon him. And I think that's our main goal, that we should stay focused upon Jesus, looking for his return, living a life, of blamelessness, spotlessness, purifying ourselves, and continuing to watch for his coming. He says in that first verse, he says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, the bridegroom is only referred to towards Christians and those individuals who have been saved. And he says, here's these 10. They grab their lamps and they go out to meet the bridegroom. Now we know in the wedding of a Jewish young lady, she didn't go out and meet the young man halfway. The young man went completely to where she was, her house. There was no meeting. In the rapture, there's a meeting. Why? Jesus doesn't come completely to earth. We meet him in the air. We meet him in the air. He doesn't come to earth. Second time, his second coming, he comes to earth. But the rapture, he doesn't. We meet him in the air. And some would take note of this, and they want to argue the issue is that they're coming out. Well, With the rapture, we're coming out of the world. We're being caught up out of this world to meet him in the air. And he goes on, he says, and went out to meet the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus Christ. He says, five of them were foolish and five were wise. And he's comparing now, I think, our faith. Now, somebody's going to jump on me. Is not our faith. It's what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And I agree with you 100%. But we cannot neglect what Scripture is saying. That's what I'm saying. Out of this parable, we can draw other things. And I realize the main issue about this parable is to warn us to keep watching. Keep watching. But if we're watching and something distracts us, we miss something just that quick. Mary and Martha, boy, one was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Another was distracted by preparation, uh, getting things ready for a certain thing to take place, but not sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was distracted from the teaching and the person of Jesus Christ. And we can be distracted and, and we shouldn't understand that that's something we should fight against. Not to be distracted, but keep watching, keep watching. And he said, Boy, the foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. They they did not Take enough oil to last them. Am I saying their faith ran out? No, but their worth or their their willingness to really prepare for more than one night or, or a set period of time. They were not willing to carry the extra load. They were not willing to bear the burden. the others and they miss out and the other ones the wise ones they took extra oil the wise however took oil in jars along with their lamps they didn't tell us how much oil was it two more jars five more jars ten more jars? I don't know but they had enough to last them until the bridegroom came. And that's the point. Are you sticking with it? Are you staying with it until you see Jesus face to face? Or are you being distracted by the things of this world? Are you slowly drifting away, whether they're drawing closer? What's happening in your life personally? And. He says in that verse 5, he says, the bridegroom was a long time in coming. They wasn't coming in that immediate time in which the ones who brought no extra oil, only their lamps. And when the oil in the lamp ran out, how were they going to replenish? How were they going to be refreshed? How are they going to be renewed? How is their light going to shine? And some say this was their works. In waiting for the Lord to come, as a Christian, we don't stop working. We keep working. We stay at it. Yes, I know he's coming. But because I don't know the day or the hour, I can't take a vacation. I can't do this or do that. Stop working the works of the Lord, being used of the Holy Spirit. We don't stop. And some suggest that this oil was the symbolicness of their work and that their work stopped. Where the other ones, the work continued until the bridegroom came and removed them. They were still working up to that very last minute, that very last hour. They were still at it. And some hold that the oil is a representation of the Holy Holy Spirit or symbol of the Holy Spirit, since we use oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. But he says the bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. We all sleep at times, don't we? Now there's a difference between a sleep and a distraction. The body demands the sleep. And it says that he was a long time coming. I don't stay awake at night. Uh, looking for the Lord to come. If he comes while I'm asleep, I'm quite sure I'm gone. But while I'm awake, I should be busy. I should be about his work. I should be thinking on him. I should be studying his word. I should be sharing Christ with someone. I should be encouraging someone. I should be helping someone. I should be ministering in some manner, some way. And I know we're all not called to pastor, but we all can shepherd or we all can be a light. We all can be a witness who named the name of Christ. And he said, the bridegrooms come out to meet him. Here the bridegrooms come. Again, the point and the main interest is that Jesus is coming.